Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Door and Sarah led us so beautifully in that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're our door to everything that we need, everything that we want. Thank you. Amen. If you take your seats, thank you. Thanks, Paul. Legend. Great footy supporter, this guy. Thanks, buddy. Turn, mate. Oh. been away for a while, but I'm having a good time. Semi-retired, emotionally recovering from 30 years of leading a church. And I feel 10 years younger in the morning, and I feel 10 years older than what I am in the afternoon. So it just must be old age. I'm not sure what that is. Just a few photos. Stephen Joseph, one of our missionaries, this is his daughter's wedding. Just happened a little while ago in Sri Lanka. Stephanie's, that's Stephanie. I forget her husband's name. Another photo, my uncle died, I was at a funeral up at Kempsey, he was a farmer and his dad was a farmer and it's funny because the kids and grandkids have come back to farming and I learned this, that a guy named Luca is there, he was the Ministry for Agriculture in Italy, so there must be a bit of farming DNA but you won't think there is but I'll tell you some of the mistakes I make, I'll, I'll share a few with you this morning and I did a permaculture course last, oh sorry this was... At the funeral, I just want to, uh, in Pentecostal churches, they pay it on the Catholics because we say, well, Jesus isn't on the cross anymore, he's risen, and, and a lot of them don't like that they have Jesus on the cross. But I found looking at that cross in communion in the funeral really actually helped me and focused me. So I, I, don't get hung up on that stuff, eh? Sometimes it's nice to consider him on the cross, and sometimes it's nice just to have the cross as the representation without him on it, like, like we did in communion today. So anyway, I just wanted to loosen up our freedom. Um, permaculture course, this is just part of the farm. Um, very interesting. So let me tell you, I mainly learn about soil prep, but ducks and chickens, when a dog or a fox attacks chooks, the chooks all scatter, and the dogs are pretty good, or the foxes at nailing them one by one. You know what ducks do, he said? Ducks gather in a circle around the gander and the gander does this really demonic hissing sound that will often keep the dogs at bay. And it was, it was like this lesson for the body of Christ. Come together when we're under attack. Let the leaders hiss at the enemy, whatever that means. I'm not sure about that bit, but come together. Don't, don't scatter. So anyway, I just like that. But soil preparation, well, oh, he said... Um, you're not feeding, I'll tell you about that in a minute, you're not feeding the plant, we feed the soil, the soil feeds the plant. So I, I, I like that principle, very relevant to scripture on the good soils. And this is me at the zoo with Roz because a lot of you were shocked that I went to the zoo, I don't like animals in cages, but at the Western Sydney Zoo, they don't have any animals they've taken from captivity and that monkey said, you're the bloke that should be on display, what's it? Yes, they don't have any animals they've taken from the wild. They only help animals that have been in captivity. A lot of circus animals there and one beautiful elephant that travelled with a circus for a long time and got hosed down but never had a pond to swim in. She's very old now. She just lost a partner. But they said she just spends all day in this massive big pond she's got, like making up for years of not having her own thing. So anyway, it was just a good lesson for me in that they seem to be treating the animals well and being kind to them, which I really liked. Chimpanzee. Okay. Uh, 
Jesus is, is the door or Jesus is the gate, and I'll read the scripture to you in a minute. I just think that the, the Trigg family that are in our church, Shannon and Julie, went to Vanuatu to plant a church and have just come back and resettling in Australia now after over a decade over there. But it was just interesting because it was really on what God had said that they went, and it's been a really interesting journey. So for them, I, I, I learned a big lesson. For them, they planted a successful church, but Shannon said to me one day, it's not really who I am. And I said, well, I'm not doing this to have a church in Vanuatu. I'm doing this for you to discover who you are and fulfill your call. Anyway, uh, out of that, um, so they, they handed the church over and, the, and they, they went to another church. But Shannon, uh, when the cyclone hit and destroyed so much of the island, he's such a good businessman and in industry and fixing things, he, he led a team and had over, at one stage over 60 apprentices at training the locals to repair their own island. He was the guy that rebuilt the war for the international ships to come in and just made such a difference to, to recovery for that island. And I thought, gee, it was interesting for me to learn a church isn't always the highest thing. It's pretty high up the list, but, but some people have to sow the church. And we've had two of those in, in our church planting where they had to let the church go to become who God wants them to be. And I just think that's a really interesting journey, especially because they walked through the door, which was Christ, to follow him, but you just keep following, eh? Yeah. And some of the things don't make sense. Sometimes you've got to let go of something you're thinking, am I evil to let go of that, God? But you just keep following Christ. So let's, let's read from Scripture, but I did want to say this about John's Gospel. Each of the gospel begins by referring to an aspect of Jesus' origin. Matthew does his genealogy and the, and the generations leading up to Christ. Mark does the last prophet to announce Jesus' arrival, which was John the Baptist. Luke looks at the births of John and the birth of Jesus. But John is the most unusual gospel that we're looking at today. He does like a pre-creation introduction of the world and the word. He goes, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So he goes right back to pre-creation, right back into eternity that way, not eternity that way, and reveals something, which, which I think is so interesting. Um, so John doesn't do so much uh, Jesus doing as his identity, but Jesus being and his identity, what he was before the creation of the world. Um, anyway... Uh, Okay, the true shepherd comes to give up his life for the sheep and to give his life to the sheep. Um, farmers in Australia and shepherds in Australia are quite different to shepherds in Israel. So when I talk about how good the shepherds in Israel are, I'm not putting down the Aussie shepherds, but it's just done differently here to what it's done there. Um, and even some shepherds that are hiring shepherds in Australia... If they were out camp with the sheep and a, and a dingo, a pack of dingoes attacked, they would sacrifice a lamb and throw it to the dingoes to keep them occupied while they tried to get the rest out of there. But the good shepherd doesn't do that. The shepherd who owns the sheep and knows the sheep won't do that. Um, there's a proverb that says, those who work their land will have abundant food. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. I'll, I'll just shut that <laughs> Forget that bit. So if God went to that much trouble to surrender his son to make him the door and the only way in, 
it, it would be like this if we don't follow that and accept that. It would be like if there were a family with, you know, a lot of young kids and the mum dies. So the dad chucks in his job to raise the kid. He bumbles a bit, but he just gives everything he's got to raise those kids. But the kids might hit 16, and I'm not having a crack at kids, but if they then went, well, you haven't done a very good job and didn't provide very well, we're out of here, and they sort of judged him and cast him aside, that would be quite a heavy thing for a guy that has sacrificed his whole life to raise them up. And, but I think that's what we do when the father's gone through so much and the son's sacrificed his own life. When we reject that door and that gateway, it's kind of a heavy thing before God. Um, let's just read from Scripture. This is John 10, verses 1 to 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs up by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, this is big, listen to his voice. So you're supposed to hear the voice of God. If someone calls you a fruitcake because you go, well, I heard God say this, just ignore them, press on. Because the Bible says his sheep know his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has bought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. This doesn't happen in Australia. We drive from the sides and the rear. But in Israel, where there's less sheep, and I think it's true in, in, the, in the smaller farms in England, because Ross's sister was a vet over there, they, it's smaller, and they know them individually, and the, the sheep live underneath their house in winter, and they take care of them, and then... When, the, when they lead, the shepherd walks out in front and the sheep follow. They follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. And so it goes on and talks about how the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Interesting, I, I see this occasionally in, in churches I've preached in as I talk to pastors and occasionally in the history of our church, where someone has a good leadership thing on their life, but they just don't believe everything the Bible says or teaches. And they get a bit anti on something, so they can't stay in the church, so they leave. And some people follow them because there's a leadership thing on their life, but if you look at the fruit, because the Bible says to judge things by their fruit, very often those people, anyone that follows them, ends up out of fellowship. And, and after a time, skewed, in, in how they're living. So please be careful of that. If someone puts your shepherd down <laughs> or they're lying about it, don't just go, oh, that's bad, I better follow you. Like, disagree with them. Because the shepherds anyway here are in a system where there's high accountability within a denomination and they will get found out and they will get disciplined and they will get stood down. Whereas to that other leader, there's no accountability at all. So... Just, just be careful of that because half this story is about the dangers to the, to the sheep. So just be, just be careful sometimes. Um, so, you know, it says my sheep know my voice, but the Bible says three things about his voice. My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep know my voice. And my sheep hear my voice. I was reading about Moses the other day when he was given the commandments and it just said this little thing, but it leapt at me. Moses wrote down... Everything God said to him. So if we're hearing his voice and knowing his voice and want to follow the voice, 
we should be writing down in our prayer journals the things God's saying to us because then we're taking it seriously and we're not letting ourselves forget what he's, what he's said. And I like going back in the journal to check if I'm lined up with what he's been saying to me. Um, my kids, and it's happened about three times this year, once from each kid have said, you know, the best thing you ever taught us, Dad, was to hear the voice of God for ourselves. And as a parent, when you know that your kids are, are listening and hearing, geez, it takes some pressure off worrying about them. It helps. Uh, okay, two points. First one, Eastern shepherds are different to Australian shepherds. A true shepherd had a known name for each sheep. That is personal relationship. Um, like my chooks at home, the sheep needed to return to the safety of the sheepfold at night. So we let the chooks out during the day and they return to safety at night. Um, and in Israel, the way they farm, and there's a lot of shared areas, they need to know their sheep's names because they have to return to the right fold at night. They lead from the front and they call their sheep to follow them. The sheep trust their voice because the sheep... Why? Why? Because the shepherd keeps leading them to good pastures. So the key with animals, I'm not sure it's high with humans, but with animals, food is the big thing. Ellie, when Dan's uh, relationship, had a close relationship with a girl he was thinking about marrying and she broke it off with him and he was a bit devastated. So Ellie decides to get him a dog. I, after years of saying, if we get a dog, you've got to be committed for 10 or 20 years. I don't want to get stuck with everything and you guys just take off. Well, it's exactly what happened. <laughs> so I knew right from the start, give them five or six years and I'm going to end up with the dog. It was a beautiful dog. But I let them train the dog, look after the dog, do all the stuff. But secretly, under the table at every meal, I'd always slip the dog a little bit of food. Why? Because the dog's going to connect most strongly to the person that feeds it the most, as most animals do. And I knew when they left, the dog wouldn't be devastated and in an anxiety all the time because the owner had left. The dog and I knew who the real provider was. <laughs> The key was the food. It's the key to getting the chooks back in the cage. It's the key to almost everything with animals. You think they love you, but they're probably being nice just to get the food. But anyway, I'll just pretend they love me. Um, so the way God looks after us makes it easy for us to follow him and trust him better. And that's why when you've been through some trials and you've come out the other side, it's easy to trust next time because you think, wow, that was tough, but God got us through that. So we know the key is, because you know what we do as humans, this mistake, this is a classic mistake. I used to do it. If we, we think if we get really, really anxious about something and worried about it, God sees it and he does something to help us get through it. No, no, no. <laughs> so we make the mistaken conclusion that anxiety is good and anxiety gets us through. No, no, no. You can get through it much more easily. And I'm not good at this by letting go of the anxiety and moving into trust and going through it that way. I think that's God's plan for how we're supposed to get through it. Okay, back to, back to Chooks a little bit. The gateway is the key issue. You know, the right sheep in the right fold. They say that sheep that trust their shepherd end up quite beautiful and gentle and quiet as creatures. But there's dangers. Anyone who enters not through the gate 
They enter a different way. Um, Bible talks about wild animals, themes, and it seems the trickiest category to deal with and the danger stakes with your Christianity is the wolf in sheep's clothing. It's the one that treats you well to get something from you and ends up leading you astray. It's what drug addicts, what drug pushers do. They give you stuff for free first. And when you're hooked, they've, they've got you. That whole principle of giving you something you want to get out of you what they need is big in a lot of things. So you've got to be awake up to that. The pretenders are the, are, are the dangerous ones. Don't listen to the wrong voice. Don't believe the wrong voice. Disagree with the wrong voice. Um, I've nearly finished. Um, I'll just tell you a true and funny story all, all in one. So some foxes killed my first lot of chooks, or a fox. Um, so I fox-proofed my chicken cage. So I talked to a few farmers, and you dig down into the soil, and you put wire down so the fox can't dig under it. They can climb a little bit, but wildcats generally go over the top. Foxes usually try and go underneath. So I spent weeks and weeks, you know, just doing a bit at a time, digging down, shoving them off. I thought, gee, this backyard farm was a lot harder than I thought it was. Anyway, we go away for a week, and I'm feeling so pumped because the cage is fox-proof. Did it myself. We come back home after a week away. I go down to collect all the eggs, thinking there'll be heaps of eggs. And um, all the chooks are in the yard. They just run out <laughs> to greet me. And I'm thinking, you're on the wrong side of the cage. What happened to the fox proofing? And what had happened, a bit of wire in the, in the cage had broken. If the chooks leant on it, they could squeeze out. But because it kind of bulged out like that, when they leant on it the other way, it closed up and they couldn't get back in. So all the chooks spent a week. I found eggs all over the roof of the cage. <laughs> anyway, the fox didn't get them, so I had to re-fox-proof re the cage. And I'm a dumb farmer. Like, I, I'm learning more. <laughs> I'm getting some things right. The mistakes I make are unbelievable sometimes. Ros Goulet gave me these lovely potato sacks, so I've been trying to figure out how to use them. And so I've been looking for potato seed, right, for months. Well, basically, the truth is the potato is the seed. <laughs> but, you know, the, the seeds do fall, form on the plant off the flowers, but they're poisonous, I've learned, and da-da-da-da-da. So you use seed potatoes. And, but, like, it took me three months to learn how to use the potato bag because I'm looking for seeds, and really all I needed was a potato. Anyway, so I'm still doing lots of, <laughs> lots of silly things uh, and loving it. All right, so you've got the false shepherd and you've got the good shepherd that lays down his life for the flock. Sometimes in life you've got to pull away from people who have a bad effect on you. I was watching um, a show, Miriam Margoyles, who was an actor in Harry Potter. She's older now. She travels around Australia, but she's doing America. And she visited a Christian camp and paid out on a little bit. She sort of looks at society and culture and learns things but tells you other things. But by the end, she watched their emotional growth and how kids actually got healed, not physically but emotionally, and she really liked it. She said, oh, that's changed me a bit. I was, I was wrong in my initial assumptions. And then she goes into a women's prison and she's doing some stuff there. But at the end of the show, she said a really interesting thing. She said, what I've learned 
for this program is this, that whether it's the prison or the Christian camp, what we're trying to do is create a healthy, accepting family situation where people can get whole again. And it didn't matter if it was a prison or that. And I thought, gee, that's a principle of life, isn't it? And that's why we try and make church like family and belonging. There's a bit of a trick with, with church life in this because we all carry our hurts and anxieties and sometimes they're the things that when we get fired up or someone hits the wrong nerve, we, we hurt someone else. But that's part of family life. So there's other principles that help you get over that stuff. What you have to be careful of in church life is the people that are there for the wrong reason. Now, they don't, you don't have to be perfect from the start and there's time. But some people come in and there'd be guys that want to sleep with the girls or there's people that want to push drugs to the youth. And so they come in like a wolf in sheep's clothing, acting nice. They know the language. They understand things. So you've got to be careful of the ones that are there for the wrong reason or... The ones that come and enjoy all the fellowship and all the friendship and how a service feels and the beautiful atmosphere that never change on the inside. They just want to sprout their own wrong beliefs. You have to be careful of that. And that stuff goes on because we're on the earth. We're not in heaven yet. And, and the church isn't for perfect people. It's for everyone to come and be able to have a crack at it. But you have to be a little bit uh, negotiating sometimes in your, in your church life. So... The basic principle with sheep is home at night for safety, out in the morning for food. If that order is interfered with, you can end up in, in moral danger. You can end up wrong food, not enough protection, wrong voices, losing your way, led by people who don't love you and want harm for you. Um, where I feel sorry for some people who've got it wrong is they don't realise the damage they do because it's the enemy because they're suckers moving through them and using them to hurt other people. Right life is like the sun thawing you out on a winter's day. His presence bathes you in warm radiance. That's what we like about worship. Um, where's Sarah? You know this morning you said, you explained why that song was written. I just thought that was such a cool truth. And I went to just charge into worship but I didn't know how to get in there. So I thought, no, I, I need a singer. I need the team. I need someone to lead me in because that's their gifting. So none of us have all the gifting. And God does that. He leaves us short of stuff. We're not complete yet. So that we need other people's gifting. When I'm struggling, I need someone with a pastoral gift. When, I'm, when I wanted to charge, and I thought, oh, my God, I don't know how to get there. But I listened to you, and it, it took me in. So that's what it's like in the, in the body. I'll, I'll finish with this story and then a quote by, by our Prime Minister that I like. Um, story. This was really good. This is by a guy named Gary Burge. He's uh, talking about farming in Palestine in Israel, sheep farming. I don't know when this was. He goes, a Palestinian woman who had lost her husband in a recent conflict with Israel and who was consequently in dire need, was finally permitted by a very hesitant Israeli officer to call her sheep out of a huge mass of captured and detained animals. The officer at first pointed to the pen containing hundreds of animals and humorously quipped, not paying out on him, he just thought, well, you've got no chance, 
that it was impossible for her to call out her own small flock. She asked if she could, in fact, separate them herself. Like, could you let me do it then? Would he be willing to let her take them? He agreed. A soldier opened the gate, and the woman's son, who was with her, produced a small reed flute. He played a simple tune again and again, and soon sheep heads began popping up across the pen. The young boy continued his music and walked home, followed by his flock of 25 sheep. Each flock of sheep is apparently attuned to a very particular and unique to itself voice or sound, and Jesus is playing on that theme throughout his sermons or throughout his teaching. So that's what happens in church, isn't it? Like We're there with everyone, but then there's those moments in a service where there's a specific sound or truth that's just for you. And, and I still write that stuff down because I, I, I don't want to miss out. And I find in most of it, just there's one or two specifics for me that he has that, that, that keep me on track. Anyway, Scott Morrison uh, shared at our National Pastors Conference this year. And he said an amazing thing that summed up the whole message. In your prayer times, don't forget to inquire of the Lord and then listen to his voice. The Prime Minister's doing it. We can do it, eh? Yeah, thanks, Ross. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.